Dotnet Rocks, episode 1081, with guest John Peppers. Recorded Tuesday, December 16th, 2014. And a bowl full of Parmesan cheese. <laughs> How you doing, man? Last show of the year, my friend. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. I, I don't have any scotch to toast with. Ah, oh, that's not right. Well, it is it's the middle not of the right. day. We really shouldn't be drinking scotch at this point anyway. Well, for you, it's the middle of the day. Oh, for yeah, me, no. it's four o'clock. Ah, uh, yeah, it's practically scotch o'clock somewhere. Practically scotch time. <laughs> Oh, John Peppers is here. We got a great show coming up. But first, I have some really timely and interesting news for BKAF. Oh, okay. Play that funky music. Better know framework. What do you got, buddy? So, I was looking for, you know, a better know framework thing. Yeah. As you are wont to do. As I am wont to do. And right as I start looking, I get this tweet from Najib. Okay. And uh, he's at Accidental Blues. That's a good name. I uh, don't know his full name, but he lists himself as person, developer, humanist, Hamiltonian, overworker, and underthinker. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Accidental Blues. He said, you have to check this out for better know framework. And gave me a link to the GitHub Issue Management Visual Studio extension. Oh, my. Go to tinyurl.com slash GitHub Issue Tracker. And this was posted a day before we recorded this, so it's timely for us, not for you, sorry, but okay. you know, it's probably still very, very timely. Anyway, it's a GitHub extension that allows you, instead of switching over to your browser to go to GitHub to check out your issues, right there in Visual Studio, you can access and manage GitHub issues for repositories that you've got commit access to. And you can filter and view issues for a repository, edit issues, add comments, close an issue. It's pretty cool. Wow. Okay. This is cool. So to view some open issues, go to view other windows, GitHub issue list, and you log in and there you go. You see your issues. This is just deeper integration of GitHub into studio. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. No kidding. I'm just amazed that this is sort of off on the coding for fun side of yeah, stuff. Coding. This is not for fun. This is serious business. It is serious business. This yeah, should have no been uh, in the box. You know, who knows? Maybe it's going to be in the box, but there you go. Someday. Nice find, dude. That's awesome. Well, and I got it, you know, giving credit to uh, the guy who tweeted to me, Najib. Right. Thanks, Najib. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. All right, Richard, who's talking to us today? Grabbed a comment off of show 1068, the one we did with Rocky when we were talking about uh, universal apps. And of course, when we talked about that, we had to talk about Xamarin as well, because you can sort of see that right, right now, universal apps means Windows 8 and Windows Phone. Yeah, in the universe of Windows. Yes, it's a pretty narrow universe, but it's good. Yeah, but Rocky also talked about Xamarin playing a role in that. And you can sort of see this future where mm. C-sharp XAML-ish code could come together for a whole lot of devices. And I'm That's... sure John will have some comments on this as well. Yeah. And this comment comes from Jonathan Parker, as opposed to John Pepper. Uh, and he says, uh, great show. I think Xamarin will just get better and better. Couldn't agree more. On the topic of universal projects, here are some important points. First, the easiest way to understand projects is that it's a group of code that is compiled once for each project that references it to avoid having copies of the same code in every project. Yeah. And that's the important part, right? It's right. like we're trying to stop duplicating code. This is just, and I love this term, tooling sugar. 
Yeah. Rather than syntactic sugar. But yeah. Tooling sugar. Well, are, aren't all tools sugar, really? I yeah, mean, they really. They are. But this simplify. is, you know, even more sugar. This is new sugar. Yeah. It's what we do with our common assembly info file, where we define assembly attributes common to all the projects in a solution, such as the version number attribute, and then add it as a linked file to each project. Nice. Second, there's nothing stopping us from using both portable library projects and shared projects in the same solution. Mm -hmm. This is clever, right? Like, think about this for a minute. This gives us a flexibility of both options. The reason why people don't think of it is because there's no project template for this. What's needed is a, like, here's, he's creating words. Mm. Portiversal solution template. (laughs) Do you like that word? I love portiversal. Portiversal. (laughs) Solution template (laughs) containing a portable class library and a shared project, as well as the platform specific projects that reference them. Yeah. It's just a template. You could do it yourself. Just like you've always been able to add MVC to web forms. Like they've always been able to do that. Just that it wasn't a template. So it couldn't be true. He's saying if we made a portiversal template, then it would be obvious that you could add in portable class library projects as well as a shared project. And it would be fine. Right. Third. Even if you find you need platform-specific code, you can still use interfaces for the platform-specific code and then implement the interface in each platform project. Hmm. Follow that? Yeah. You can create interfaces on the platform-specific code and then implement them. I did this for local data storage, and it works well if you think of having lots of hash defines in your code is ugly. Yep. So, yeah, just an organizational approach to having local data storage code that would work across all these things, implement them as interfaces. Brilliant. Because you're going to have differences between the devices. This is just a way to abstract it out. Yeah. And that's what he said. And I think that's pretty cool stuff. John, an awesome, awesome comment. Thanks so much for sending it to us. And I'm happy to share it. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Windows Phone, Android, iOS, and Windows 8. And hey, kids, John Peppers is back. He's a Xamarin MVP and author of the book Xamarin Cross-Platform Development. He's the lead developer on popular apps such as the Hanks Writer, that's H-A-N-X, Writer, and Draw a Stick Man, Epic. He works at HitSense on both line of business applications and games using Xamarin. Welcome back, John. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's going great. Hey, first of all, I got to say that um, talking about share, I I just want to jump right into this because my first question is, I heard a rumor somewhere that shared projects should be avoided. Hmm. What's that all about? Or is that, is that stu- silly? Well, I don't know about avoided. I, I think um, there's a potential to be abused. I think what people are afraid of is, you know, preprocessor statements everywhere. So if you right. have like pound defines throughout an entire fo- you know, file, it becomes a mess. It doesn't indent properly and... Okay. You know. This is what John Parker was talking about as well, right? It's like, if you don't like this proliferation, use the interface approach to hide it. Yeah. But I think it's fine if, if you're getting started and you don't really know what choice. I do think it's the easier option because, um, you know, portable class libraries is a subset of, you know, maybe some classes you're used to using that right. aren't there. Right. Okay. So, let's, uh, let's scroll back a little bit um, and... I'm going to start with my experiences, and then you tell me what you, uh, you know, what your experience has been. Just in November, I did a um, a full day workshop on Xamarin Forms in Las right. Vegas, 
And there was, you know, I don't know, 40 people there or so. Yeah. And the first half of the day was spent just getting up to speed, just getting to Hello Forms. And you wouldn't believe the number of problems that people had, uh, mostly because they were bringing machines that were, you know, that didn't have their firewall settings correct. They were bringing Windows 7 machines that didn't have Hyper-V or something installed, um, mostly with the emulators and the Android stuff. The iOS stuff, if you've got a Mac, worked pretty well. But um, most of the problem seems to be with emulators and their requirements. Do you think that that's going to get easier? Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, I mean, Xamarin uh, at Evolve this year came out with their own Android emulator, and I've yeah, I've played with it, you know, quite a bit, and it seems I'm I'm already in favor of it than the default Android one. Um, it just starts up quicker. Um, there just seems to be less problems overall, and in, mm-hmm. in getting it to start up, but it is still like a, I think a beta or a preview or something. So yeah, you know. Don't expect it to be <laughs> completely stable yet, I guess. Do you have that experience of just uh, getting to Hello Forms or, or even Hello Xamarin to be kind of a tweaky experience? Well, I, I definitely agree with you that it's, it's easier if you're doing it on a Mac to iOS. Um, on Android, a lot of times I'll suggest, you know, get a cheap device and just plug it in. Yeah, rather than using an emulator. Yeah, and and a lot of our guys do that just because they don't want to mess with it. Or... I suggested the same thing. Yeah, well, because Android hardware is so cheap. Yeah, the problem is, are you making a good test? But then there are other issues too. Like a guy brought a Kindle Fire, and that runs like version two of Android. Doesn't yeah, run 2. four. Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he had that problem. And then there's a special driver for Kindles too. So yeah, you have to like paste Amazon's URL and the Amazon package manager and yeah right so it never ends so i mean it's sort of like a pandora's box that when you want to do multi-device development you're i mean just in the whole idea of doing that means you're going to have complexity and lots of moving parts and this driver and that driver and yeah yeah that's how that's mobile development yeah (laughs) that's what it is sure is you know what this reminds me of is the early days of silverlight Remember when you didn't know what pieces to, you needed to install to assemble a dev, dev machine? Because it, was, it wasn't all just in the box in the studio anymore. You had to go download from here and there. It's like pre-NuGet. That, yeah. that era where you just had to sort of scrounge all the bytes together, try and get a build. Yeah, sort of. And I, and I don't, and John, you can talk to this too, but my experience has been that uh, the, the setup for Xamarin, you know, uh, is really good. And they do a lot of, um, encapsulating all of the different pieces that need to be installed. They do a really good job. It's just the dealing with devices, you know, that they can't just install a blanket stuff. There's drivers for your phones. There's emulators. There's API keys and things like that that you have to get. Uh, and the process is well documented, but I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I think about the days when I used WPF on some projects when it first came out. And I remember having like a, a text file that was like install Visual Studio 2005, then Service Pack 1, then Service Pack 2, yeah. and then this other thing. Right. <laughs> Xamarin has at least got us past that. You, yep. just, you install their thing and you're good. If there was an Android emulator that didn't suck, would this discussion stop? Yeah, I think so. Well, the, that for Android, yeah, but Windows, the Windows Phone emulator has its own problems, right? 
You have to have Hyper-V, so you can't run in a virtual machine. Right. You know, and a lot of people do developments on, on VMs, do development yeah. on VMs. So now you have to run right on the hardware. So we, again, it comes back to if we had an- emulators that didn't suck. Yeah. Because the wind phone emulator sucks too. Yeah, just requirements. Yeah. Yeah, we want to, yeah, we just think we want to lower the bar as much as possible just to make it easy to, to do that iterative test. Like I, I, get what you guys are saying about having a, a, a reference Android device to work from, but the process of loading onto the device and, t- and testing the app is slower than a good emulator. If a good emulator was nice and fast, so you could write a little, run a little, write a little, run a little, and actually look at the thing on the screen, mm. that's a more productive development model than ever going to hardware. Totally. Definitely. And, and, and I just appreciate... You know, it's not like, so don't bother with mobile development. Like, we don't have that option. We got to solve this. But it's, I miss that part of development, that nice rapid iterating behavior. It's just becoming harder and harder to do that these days. Yeah, totally agree, Richard. So, uh, John, do you have um, a sort of uh, your own recipe cookbook for setting up the environment? You know, your own uh, preferred Xamarin environment? Well, for me, um, you know, it depends on, I have, at work, I have a PC and a Mac on my desk. Uh-huh. Uh, but then to go, I have a Mac running Parallels. Um, but, you know, I just formatted it, so I, I just d- went through this. It seemed to me, um, like if you, you just get Xcode, install Xamarin, and then you're pretty much ready to go. Um, and then you probably after that, open the Android SDK thing. and install a few things there mm-hmm. but for me i i format machines quite often so you know, <laughs> i don't i don't have a lot of uh little programs or things that i have to add so. got it which i mean i appreciate that too because at the same time often you get in a situation where i've had the same dev environment for so long i don't even know how i built it anymore <laughs> you know i think actually having a handle on this is what it takes to build this dev environment is important for me, I've got, um, I, I started with Parallels, just running Windows in a VM, and then I moved over to Bootcamp and installed Windows on, on the middle, which you can also run your Bootcamp partition in Parallels. So now I pretty much boot up into Windows for everything but mobile development. And when I want to do Xamarin development, I boot into the Mac side, load my Windows uh, partition in a VM, and then I can go work in Visual Studio and everything works fine. Yeah, and I, I tend to use the Mac more if, if I'm on my laptop. And I use Windows if I'm working on some shared code or maybe you know some ASP.NET stuff in Visual Studio. But anytime it's like Android or iOS, like UI, I, I tend to be in Xamarin Studio. Really? Yeah. And, and that's just my preference. I mean, I... I'm okay with OS X and I definitely used to not be that way, but <laughs> I just can't stand the little jumping icons, man. I just want to smack them. <laughs> it's like, yes, I know I have to deal with that. Stop jumping up and down and saying me, 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 me. All right. I mean, you need to explain this. Yeah. So on OS X, when you have notifications, you know, in windows, you have notifications, a little thing just sort of fades into the screen and then goes right. away. Oh, in OS X, they jump up and down like a, 
as somebody mentioned, said it once, like a Jack Russell effing terrier <laughs> down at the bottom of the screen. They just go, boy, oy, 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 boy, oy, 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 and they just keep jumping. They jump up at you. The other thing I don't like about running parallels is uh, having the Mac taskbar over the Windows taskbar when your Windows full screen. You know, you move down to the bottom of the screen, the Mac taskbar comes up. Right. Over your Windows taskbar. And I haven't found a way to disable that. You know, there is a way that you can turn it off, yeah. and it did seem yeah. to work for a while, but I couldn't find a way to definitely turn it off. Yeah, th- there are some weird stuff in Parallels that's not too great. Like, you can you can get it to window a program on top of the, on top of OS X, which is really weird. Right. Yeah. So I try to just go full screen and, and use like three finger swipe to move between the two. Right. All right. But I think that's an interesting part about this, that mobile development on a Mac using Xamarin studio so that you're just working in OS X all the time. That's got to be great for the iOS dev. What happens on the Android side? Uh, it's still, I mean, the Android tools themselves run on OS X and it seems to be just as, just as good on windows really. I mean, it's not like, uh, a lot of their UIs are Java, so it's not like those look any better. Right. (laughs) They're still ugly on both. So (laughs) (laughs) you said just as good and I'm thinking, is it just as bad actually? Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of our Android guys who work on Android you know they'll be on windows and visual studio just because you know they've got a pc in front of them right mm-hmm. yeah well i do think a lot of the listeners are, li- are are working in the windows space with visual studio so that's natural focus but it's great i like to hear uh, how other folks are going about it and, and clearly i mean you're working in an all mac environment as much as you can it just leaves the windows phone conversation out in the out in the dark completely well and and for us we don't have a lot of windows phone work but right. You know, we would like to because, you know, Windows phone development is, I would say, a little more enjoyable, like being able to, you know, use real XAML. A lot more enjoyable. Yeah. (laughs) Compared compared (laughs) to the crazy things on the other two platforms. (laughs) Right. Let's talk about this app. So, is this a Xamarin Forms app? Uh, Actually, no. Well, how about I get, I'll get into the story of kind of how it came about. Please. Um, Sure. Yeah, so the actor Tom Hanks, which you know, obvious from Castaway, Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. you know, you name it, um, he he really loves typewriters, and he has a collection of you know over two hundred personal typewriters that he owns, and these are like right, vin- that's like that's weird, yeah, like vintage, really cool, like exactly what you think of an old typewriter, you know, so. He had the idea, I guess he, he really loves his iPad, that he wanted the experience of a typewriter on an iPad. <laughs> and that's kind of where his idea ended, you know. So. <laughs> okay. I want the experience of a typewriter on an iPad. I mean, isn't the experience mechanical keys? Yeah. And I think he wanted sounds. the he, sounds, a cool font. He wanted it to look cool. Yeah. Um, you know, he. I guess he had been using the Notes app a lot. But that's just not... You know, <laughs> that doesn't give you the writer the, the same flow as a typewriter, I guess. Right. So we we had been working with a company in California uh, called CAA, Creative Artists Agency. And and they're kind of like the Walmart of agents. Like they represent almost everyone in Hollywood. And uh, he came to them with the idea and, and we got kind of put together. And 
uh, we, we took his idea and ran with it. And, and that's kind of what the app ended up being. Yeah. It's a lovely app and you've gotten some publicity on this too. I mean, I read about it in USA Today and it was, uh, it was all over the internet. Yeah, it came out and, uh, Apple featured it on the front page of the app store. Wow. And we had, we'd never seen so much press about an, one of our apps coming out. And I think it helped to have his name attached to it, but yeah. it also helped that like you would read the article and it would say, Tom Hanks made an app, dot, dot, dot. And it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so it's not like, you know, some of the celebrity apps, you, you got to follow through with it. You can't just ride their name. The yeah. Yeah. You've got to actually make an app. And it looks wonderful. I mean, the, the graphics, the, the keys, the, the bar. The font, you know, how it's a little faded at the top or maybe, you know, like the, di- each letter is faded differently, just like, you know, the ribbon would produce a not consistent uh, type. That's yeah, great. Our artists really went in detail on that. So, uh, Tom sent us three of his typewriters wow. to look at and play with. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's great. And so we, they took the inspiration from that and like kind of made a 3D model of, of our typewriters, which were, you know, stylized and different colors. And, and then we also created a font that's exactly every letter they actually hand drew combination with other stuff. You know? Wow. So, <laughs> so there's a lot of work to get into the, the detail that he, you know, Tom was looking for. So. So you actually created the font from pictures of the type itself. Yeah. And and the other thing is pretty crazy. There's a mode, um, uh, I think we called it modern delete, and you can turn it off. And then when you backspace, it puts an X over top of the font. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get old school, you can, you, you can really do it. Can you simulate white out? You know, you have a blob of white <laughs> that's whiter than the page. Uh, not yet. I mean, I mean, we talked about a lot of those things, but you know, it's just time constraints is the main. So cool. Main to worry about. Yeah, because the, uh, there was a generation of Selectrics that actually had the whiteout as a band, so you could literally strike over the character itself to remove it. Like, uh, you could go totally now. You, now you're getting me waxing nostalgic <laughs> about this stuff. Oh man, I was just in an antique shop two days ago, right here on State Street in New London. And uh, a friend of Kelly's opened it up, and most mostly junk. I'm sorry, but it's mostly crap in there. Yep. However, there was this little Smith Corona typewriter that was small. It was about oh maybe eight or nine inches across, tiny, tiny thing, and uh, it did work. Needed a new ribbon, but it did work. And she only wanted like a hundred bucks. No, fifty. Nice. I think it was fifty bucks. So there you go. You can find these things out there. Well, for the app, you can get three typewriters for four ninety nine. <laughs> so I think it's a better deal. <laughs> awesome. So you got huge publicity. Did you did you sell it? Yeah. On when it came out on iPad, we I think after maybe a few weeks, we had a million downloads or so. And you know, it's a free app. Okay. And you get one typewriter for free. Uh-huh. And we, and we have upsell for more typewriters and more features. Like you can change the text color and do text alignment and stuff like that so you stuck with the modern dev model uh, the metal app model of give it away and upsell in the app yeah yeah 
and and we don't have any ads or anything because you know that was one thing Tom was pretty much up front. He's like, I want it to be, you know, I don't want anything ugly on the thing, you know. Right. Yeah. So, and and we think it was a good choice. Um, oh yeah, because it, yeah, it did pretty well with that. Yeah, I mean, because you've got a hit name, was there discussion about selling it as an app, like, up front? Yeah, originally we thought about just charging for the app. And then when we got into having multiple typewriters, it's kind of obvious that, you know, an in-app purchase would work pretty well. Yeah, yeah, well, like, exactly. Multiple typewriters, multiple fonts, I mean, different sound. I mean, when you talk about multiple typewriters, what are you really doing? Is it different keys, different sounds? Yeah, so the the three typewriters he sent us, we we also recorded the sounds of of actually typing on the typewriter. Right, right, from getting the three typewriters. Yeah, and so when you switch typewriters, it's basically swapping out a set of images for what you see on the screen. Uh, you know, it's toggling the sounds and, and probably toggling the font. I think that's a, that's pretty much what it is. So the, so each typewriter represents a key a, a keyboard, although it's all qwerty, a sound set, and a character set. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how how is it sold? Like, do people buy the upgrade? Yeah, I, I don't know the stats on the percentage of people. Okay. Uh, I'd have to look it up, but it, it seemed to me that we were making, you know, a good bang for our buck and, and the fact that we showed up on the grossing charts. So, right. a, lo- a lot of the free apps you'll see out there, um, they'll be like, let's say they're really top 10 in the free charts, but they're mm. nowhere to be found in the top grossing charts. So Right. So to actually show up in the free chart and the grossing chart, that's unusual. Yeah, well, it it means your app is is doing uh, it's monetizing well. So yeah, it's mon- yeah, it's when and generally, I mean, could, you could be monetizing well, but still being nowhere on the free charts. Like it's not downloading significantly, and for the overall downloads, I think it is pretty impressive to be on both. Just to to yeah. really, you know, that's how well you're resonating. And you know, I got to remind everybody, this was written with Xamarin, right? Yeah, and um, in C sharp. Yeah, and it, it is a very UI heavy app. Um, so the the, perp- the reason we use Xamarin is just because we're very familiar with C sharp and using Xamarin. And um, I think the the thing that shines here is that using Xamarin didn't get in our way at all. So right. like, like if I wrote this native. I do think I save time in that C sharp is a little more productive language yeah. than Objective C, and I could do anything that I could have done in Objective C, and like I didn't hit some performance wall or or you know anything like that. Right. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Ah, uh, it must be that happy time again. Man, you guessed it. It's time to break out the Smith Corona and type out the lyrics to "Hanks for the Memories." Oh, oh, no. And the network stack <laughs> and the graphic system. I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> oh, it's a double. It's a pun <laughs> and a paragraph. I love it. It's a double joke. Double joke. You're a good man. It just Mr. goes on Franklin. and on. I take back all that stuff I said about all you. All right. Well, I won't give up my day job. But actually, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first... Telerik DevCraft is the most complete .NET toolbox for web, mobile, and desktop development. With the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle, you can now create compelling native mobile experiences with your C-sharp skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com slash devcrafttrial. Awesome, dude. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Jeffrey Samper. Congratulations, Jeff. 
clap a clap for you. Yeah. And Jeff just won the Telerik DevCraft Collection, a big pile of awesome from Telerik. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. And every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology mm-hmm. stuff to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. We just did it last year, and uh, it's our third time. And, uh, man, we have fun with that. You always do. And, it's, yeah, interesting parallel you drew there that first it was touch development, then it was mobile development, and this year, IoT development. Yep. So that's really cool. Our listeners are on the bleeding edge of technology, if nothing else. Apparently, as long as we're paying for it, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> good point, Mr. Campbell. Good point. Yes. Uh, we also like to ask our guests, John, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Well, yesterday I was pondering the question while looking at my 720p television and my Xbox 360. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and I, I quickly, you know, the first thing I think of is that I really need an upgraded, you know, media situation in my living room. Sure. I've, I've got a Chromecast, which is kind of like, um, I consider it like a little hack to get me by, you know. <laughs> like yeah. I plug in this little thing and all of a sudden I can watch Netflix. But yeah. Um, I really would like some kind of like media PC plugged to a, a nice TV um, and an Xbox One. There you go. It is not easy to spend five grand on a TV today. Like you have to go right out to the highest end TVs to get to that kind of price tag. And, and really, I would be okay with you know just a fifty some inch, you know, HD TV, and then really focus on the you know, PC and the other things I can plug into it. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, for years I kept a PC connected to the household television uh, for media center and stuff, but it was just not reliable enough. And the new Roku's running Plex are so good and so reliable that it's just, that's sort of overwhelmed everything. Yeah. that That's the kind of setup I want. And they're a hundred bucks. Yeah. I, I, right now I have, uh, a TV in the back, or sorry, a PC in, in my office that uh, shows Windows Media Center on the Xbox 360, but that's really getting dated now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but it still it still does the DVR. It still records shows, and you can watch them, which is is getting me by. But awesome, definitely need something like that. Yeah, it's 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 interesting stuff. I mean, and I'm still not happy with 4K yet. I think if I was in the market for a new TV, I'd have a tough time buying 4K. And I don't, I don't. Do you, anybody care about 3D? Uh, not me personally. You know, the other hip thing right now is curved screens, and I'm trying to figure out if that matters at all. Yeah, it, it just seems. I just want you know, like a, a, a notch or two better than what I've got. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you want to get out of 720, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. We could, for 5,000, I mean, you can get a really nice, like, 50, 60-inch 1080p with all the gadgets on it for two grand. You know? Like, we still have a long way to go to spend five. If you're not going to go for 3D, and you're not going to go for curved, and you're not going to go for 4K, like... You know, that those are now really cost-effective TVs for the quality they are. Yep. Show enough. Yeah. Well, we can throw in a few games in there. 
Oh, we'll uh, find a way. Yeah. I, I, I'll spend your money, sir. I'm good at that. <laughs> hey, I saw in the USA Today article that uh, Tom was pretty adamant about not making it gimmicky, uh, your app, and uh, just sort of you know, just make it functional, you know? Don't, don't put a lot of bells and whistles and options in there. Was that uh, hard to hold back? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, there is a give and take there. I think there are things in the app like if you hold down the backspace key, it doesn't repeat. <laughs> like, and and he was very oh, much right. you know a fan of hey, let's stay true to the typewriter, but it should be at least just be functional. Um, and we definitely had ideas all over the place of things we could add, but. I think the main thing we wanted to keep was a vintage feel and make people feel like like they're hip or cool to use the app and not, you know, adding some feature to do, you know, some really complicated, you know, text processing feature it may not be what people even want. They just want to hear the All sounds, right. you know. So you're sitting at Starbucks and you're you've got your iPad or whatever, your your laptop or whatever, and you're writing some code. And then somebody sits down next to you, puts down their iPad, and you start hearing, and you look over, and they got this vintage-looking thing, and it looks really cool. Do you think, wow, that's awesome? Or do you think, what a pretentious schmuck? <laughs> Go away. <laughs> yes, I think it's probably going to be number two. <laughs> <laughs> Can... Is it just, uh, is it a full app or is it just a replacement keyboard? Like, what can you do with the document that you write with this thing? Yeah, so it, it creates documents that are internal to the app and then you can share them as a PDF. And so you, oh, okay. can, you send them however you want. With its own custom font. Yes. And then the other thing we did when iOS 8 came out is we made a, a keyboard extension that lets you use the keyboard in the app and any app and it still plays the sounds. Uh, you can't use the font there because of iOS limitations, but right. you can still hear everything and you, you could use it in your email if you wanted. And this seems very iOS centric, John. Um, did Tom Hanks not care what you programmed in? He didn't ask for a native app? Yeah, no, they, and, and that's how a lot of clients we have you know, they, they just want the end product. They don't, right. They don't really care what technology you use to do it as long as it's, you know, the end product is what they, yeah. what they want. And, and we use Xamarin when, you know, there's a portion of the code that could be shared if we, if we took this to Android. So, so, you, but you haven't taken it to Android. This is only for iPad at this particular moment. Well, uh, we release, we did make it a universal app about, I'm trying to think about a month ago. Uh, so there is an iPhone version now as well. That's uh, weird. Where we scaled it down and, you know, it fits, you know, smaller screen. Uh, smaller keyboard. Yeah. And and we did that mainly to branch out to more users because, you know, iPad users are somewhat a limited amount of people there. So, yeah, a lot more people have iPhones. Yeah. I just wonder if it would make more sense on an Android tablet than it would on an iPhone. It could potentially. I think. I think we still have that exclusivity with Apple, and that you know that we have you know that relationship there where hey, our, our app is only on iOS, and so they're more likely to 
promote it. And is that true? Like you haven't actually made an agreement with them that you'll only do it for iPad. They just because it's only for iPad, they're more interested in promoting it. Yeah, it's not necessarily an agreement. It's just like their team that feature apps. That's like a, a checkbox that they can check. Oh, it's only on iOS. So mm. well, let's feature it more. Like, mm-hmm. So if it had been on Android, they might not have featured it. Uh, potentially, but I still think they would have being that, you know, Tom Hanks names attached to it. Right, right. I mean, that's an interesting conflict of interest there, right? Because uh, there's a lot of Android app uh, tablets out there. You could sell a lot of copies or get a lot of upgrades Mm. if it was available for Android. A good example of this is there's a game called Monument Valley that's iOS only. Right. It's been featured all over the place. Um, It's a cool game if you want to check it out, but... uh, I think that's something where they probably wouldn't have promoted that game necessarily if it was also on Android. Interesting. And anti-competitive at the same time. <laughs> Although now when I go to monumentvalleygame.com, it says it's available on the Fire and the Google Play as well. Okay. So that could have been like like us. They just bid their time and you know are thinking about Android and they finally got it out. So that's sort of your expectation is eventually Apple will lose its enthusiasm for the Hanks writer and then you should go to the other markets. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think so. That's an interesting piece of thinking though, in general to come out for iPad first because of its promotional ability and so forth before going to the other markets. And I think it's also, that's what Tom wanted. Really? Yeah. He wanted it on his iPad. Yeah. <laughs> so so on the iPhone it seems like it would just be another text app. Does the do the keys and all the other stuff get in the way? Uh it's it's pre- it's still just as functional I would say. I think hmm. it's just a fancier notepad if you want sure. to think of it like that. Yeah. And then you've got the cool sounds. Too, right, of so. course. <laughs> Which are going to make you friends at Starbucks. <laughs> yes. I'll never forget right after I got my iPhone. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I told this on the show before, Richard, but we were sitting in Barcelona with Greg Hughes, and I had literally just gotten it before I went to Barcelona for Tech Ed. Right. So we're sitting around in the hotel bar, and I'm playing with my iPhone, and I still, you know, it's making the sound tick, 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 tick when you click on the letters and stuff. And Greg looks over me and says, You know, you can turn that sound off. <laughs> that's not passive aggressive at all i'm like uh yeah that's kind of annoying isn't it <laughs> now if only you had the the keyboard extension of a typewriter tapping instead oh that would be great yeah <laughs> how to win friends and influence people nice <laughs> Oh, it was, I mean, it's really interesting. I totally get the idea that you want this effect. And of course, when I think of Tom Hanks, I think of him working on a screenplay, right? I mean, the guy's all about movies. Yeah. So he would want to have that experience and he'd want it on his iPad. And that's what he wanted it for, right? Yeah. I mean, this was kind of like, he, he wanted it for him, but let's put it on the app store too. Yeah. Right. We'll let other people have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, you've done some work with Xamarin Forums, haven't you not? Yeah, we, we've um, we've started using it for certain types of apps. I will say that for sure. <laughs> right. So the Xamarin Forms has an image that you can load up in an absolute layout view. So you could basically take an image that would fit the screen and lay it over. But I'm not so sure about how or if you can get detect, you know, presses and swipes and things over that image and replace things. I'm trying to figure out how to do 
you know, an app like that where it's all graphics, where you have other images that you would lay over, like when you press a key, you know, you might want to lay over another image on that key. I, I just don't know how much is in the box and Xamarin Forms in the image playing with that kind of app. Yeah, so that's kind of the reason we did not use Xamarin Forms for this app, but um, because even um, originally, the, you know, the keyboard was, you know, a view with a bunch of buttons on it, and then there's yeah. an image for each letter. Um, well, that ended up being a little slow, and it now it's a button that has custom drawing with native Apple, you know, APIs. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I don't know if you, you can get down far enough with Xamarin Forms to make that uh, work. It doesn't look that way. I mean, it doesn't look like you have events that happen when, you know, you press uh, or touch the image at a particular place. But, it you know, this is uh, V1. Yeah, I definitely think it'll get better. I, I think what Xamarin Forms makes the most sense is if you're you, you're have a, you have a form over data like you're yep. a bunch of text boxes on the screen um you know maybe they want it to be native but they don't 100 percent care what it looks like you know they more want it functional and want it native yep and yet how cool would it be if you had that capability just to do your basic image processing and handling input yeah, yeah. And could drop down into any, you know, native API you wanted. I think um, that's kind of where they're probably going to go with Xamarin Forms is give more more ways to override the native yep. parts on each platform. I, and, I, you know, I sort of wrestle with that. And obviously, we need to talk to Miguel and them about whatever Xamarin Forms 2 is going to look like. Yeah. And in my mind, the strength of the Xamarin Forms approach is for the corporate dev building apps for really internal use and trying to make it as simple as possible to cover all the devices. Sure. So, you know, I don't know that getting down to the metal is going to be the main feature. I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see which way they go. I could see them going either way, making it more available going downward or making it more abstract. So you need to, you know, we're trying to make it as easy as possible for the average dev to be able to handle the mobile problem. Well, they do that well by essentially having a subclassing feature that you can, uh, override the 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 stuff and go native on each platform so you can have these custom views or renderers i guess yeah yeah custom renderers and uh, so they make it easy to do both but i'm i'm just talking about you know the ability to be all graphics you know what i'm saying and i think that is something that can be abstracted because it's just putting up a graphic and handling you know, button presses or, you know, presses at X and Y, touches, if you want to call them clicks, whatever. Sort of like an image with a with a mouse down and a mouse up and a mouse move. You know, that's yeah. something that exists on every platform. Yeah, and I think you could look into a game framework like Monogame to achieve, the, you know, if you're, if you're wanting all graphics and wanting cross-platform, yeah. Uh, that's what you could look into there. Mono game would definitely be the way to do it. And in our app, like it even has, it has the na- like it's a typewriter and then it also has the native text box so that you can, you can do a long press and the magnifying glass appears and you can do copy paste, you know, everything, uh, you know, an iOS user expects. So you don't cool. want to reprogram all that. Do you actually see the, the, uh, I don't know what you call them, the, the things that pop up and whack the type on the paper? What do you call those things? Uh, the arms? Uh, arm? 
Do you actually see those whack the paper? Yeah. You do. Yeah. Do yeah. you really? <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. So I love the idea of you paste in and suddenly all these arms go bah, 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 type the characters. <laughs> It, it may not. It, I don't think it rolls through them from a paste, but you know, as you as you type it, you know, it there's does. A, there's an animated image of a, like a hammer. I called it a hammer and coat. I don't know what it is, but it comes down and and hits where the cursor is. Does it vibrate the iPad too to give you that haptic feedback? Yeah, we thought about that, but we we felt like the sounds were kind of obnoxious enough. So that's <laughs> <laughs> so what we decided. <laughs> I, th- I think that guy in Starbucks could only get away with it if he was Tom Hanks, you know? <laughs> uh, and then he says, oh, I wrote this, you know, this is my app. Okay, you can do that. Now that's cool. But if you're just a guy with a latte, you're going to get a wedgie. <laughs> did Hanks pay for this app or did you do it on spec so that you could sell it? Uh, it, it was kind of a partnership. Um you know, because of his name, we were willing to give him a good deal and then... Right. You know. And then you... Do you retain the rights to the app? Like, what's that relationship? And, and by all means, say, I, you know, that's private if, it, if it's inappropriate for me to ask. Yeah, I think it's okay. I think I, I can say that, you know, the the revenue split, it's under our App Store account, but... Right. Yeah. I think that's all I can say, though. And hey, you've got Tom Hanks' phone number. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> our CEO and president got to talk to him on the phone a little bit for, okay. you, know, you know, maybe a, I think it was just a short conversation, which was pretty cool. But, you know, most of our, our all our conversations went through his agent, which I think is probably pretty typical for a list celebrity, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I guess that's fair. Yeah. So did you use a MVVM uh, pattern for this or was it all just uh how did you do? What what kind of architecture did you use for it? Yeah, we we did use MVVM, uh, but there's it is fairly simple in how many view models it has. You know, it, there's a document, there's settings, um, there's a list of documents. So um, that's where all our share code is. You know, we have a, a portable class library with all that stuff in it. Um, but then there's, you know, this, all this UI code driving the cool images and sounds and, and so forth. So, but we do, you know, there's some percentage of the app when we, you know, if we go to Android, um, we could reuse all that portable library. Yeah. I guess there's not a whole lot of back into this, but I, I got to think all of the graphical, uh, assets and the sound assets, so forth, all that's going to move across, but the UI code itself would probably have to be completely rewritten. Yeah. Definitely. And, and things like, like doing a custom keyboard on Android is completely different. Oh yeah. Yeah. On iOS, on iOS, it's like all crazy. So on Android, it might actually be easier. Uh, for the custom keyboard, definitely. Uh, they've, they've had that around since like Android 2.0 or something. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I see in favor of Android is it is the hackers, uh, OS yeah. like that if you want to change something they're, they're not going to stop you where Apple is pretty much the opposite of that they want a lot of control in those areas yeah yeah and I think we, we were one of the first Xamarin apps to have a keyboard extension in the store um, so you know we were I was working with them on like uh, the alpha channel you know getting nightly builds from them to you know oh, man we came out like right when iOS 8 came out so right you know, we had to be on the bleeding edge to make that happen so you were really part of 
of Xamarin getting up to iOS 8 capabilities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's got a, an upside and a downside. You may be first, <laughs> but you also bled. <laughs> yeah, and it, it wasn't that bad. I mean, they, they. I was actually pretty impressed with, you know, how quick they would get her, get back to me. Um, you know, they. I feel like they they went above and beyond. You know what? You know, a normal company selling uh, development tools should do for. Well, and I've heard that before, that they're really respectful, really uh, fast. And it, obviously, it was important to them to be iOS 8 ready. So, you know, you, you were helping them as much as they were helping you, too. Yeah, definitely. That's, that, but it's good to hear, you know. I've, I've always been a very deep fondness for Miguel Diacaza. He's, he's one of the good guys. He so certainly it's good is. To hear. With all of the success they're having, they're still that responsive, that connected, and, and doing the right things. Yeah, Definitely. So will there be a V2 of uh, some more typewriters coming out, more upsell? Yeah, I don't know how much I can say. I, I, will, I will say that we're, there will be some more typewriters at some point. Oh, that's cool. So development ongoing. Yes, and, and future platforms is kind of what we're thinking about also um, seeing what makes sense there. So, I'd like a Selectric typewriter, please. <laughs> <laughs> Very different sound and feel, you know, the, the, the power, the, the powered keyboard versus the true mechanical. Yeah. But it is, I have, it is pretty deeply embedded in my psyche. I use that key, that typewriter for a long time. Yeah. And I think, I think that is one of the ideas for a new one is to use some kind of 80s, um, more, slightly more modern vintage typewriter, you know. So we'll see. We'll see what happens though. <laughs> Very cool. Oh man. What's next on your radar? What, what kind of apps, uh, are you looking forward to building next? Well, this year we have a lot of games uh, coming down the pipeline. I don't. Um, we we are working on a sequel to uh, Draw Stickman Epic. Mm-hmm. Um, still no release date on that, um, but I will say that it's it's coming. It's really cool. You know, <laughs> the original right. game, if you played it, it's completely two D, and so we're kind of going into the two point five D area, and it's really an upgrade on you know the overall wow. game if you've seen the original. So. Well, very cool. That's cool. Can't wait for that. Any last words before we sign off for the day? Yeah, I think the only other thing I'd say is, you know, you, you don't have to be Tom Hanks if you want to work with us. So you maybe check out our website. Uh, we'll, we'll, we can work with anybody on, you know, any kind of Xamarin project they need help on. So. And that's HitSense, H-I-T-C-E-N-T-S dot com, right? Yeah, sounds good. Excellent. Jonathan Peppers, thanks for talking to us. It's been great. Yeah, great talking to you. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. 
Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a